Welcome to Mystery House Stars and Apps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama Bible cast? Yeah, uh, I was, I, I've been working on workshopping a joke uh, for, I don't know, TikTok or Twitter or something, which mm-hmm. basically is that the amount of shows that I watch are like, they're like, hey, Here's a horror show that's got, like, a cool mythology that we're going to go that into. That we it. made up. <laughs> yeah, that, that's going through it. And, like, oh, what's this mystery? What's going to happen? Well, turns out it's, <laughs> have you considered Judeo-Christian fundamentalism? Every, every like, interesting story, eventually they're just like, but then we brought the priest in. <laughs> this one, though, this one, like, I guess we should have seen it coming. They do keep talking about the devil. But, it's true, and it is about the ultimate battle between good and evil. But it does hit real hard this time, and real uh, surface level. Yeah, and you know, there's not even a priest. No. priests, like, by their nature, intrinsically creepy. Yeah, well, well, but they do have a Cheryl. They do have a Cheryl. <laughs> Who's also intrinsically creepy. <laughs> we'll also mention we're currently recording this in the middle of a thunderstorm, so that might happen. Yeah, you know, um, maybe these are the plagues coming down upon us. For no, they the skipped over this one. They skipped over this one. Yeah, it's because it was coming here. Yeah, I guess so. The characters don't get it. We get it. <sighs> yeah, um, it's this episode's got a lot of explanations that aren't explanations and just weird and confusing things. It, okay, I, this has come up like several times throughout watching Riverdale. This episode especially. Feels like someone who has never seen Riverdale <laughs> was forced to write an episode. Yeah. Because the motivations of characters in this episode are not the same well, this as ep- others. It also feels like the writer of this episode didn't realize the stakes of the series that they set up, like, last episode. Yeah. Because I, I can't... I, I need to stress this to the audience. The apocalypse is happening like the apoc like yeah, the, the, the en- actual apocalypse the end of the world Tabitha- like every everywhere not just riverdale yeah tabitha did a doctor strange yeah. and found out that only one world one outcome could save the world yeah and the, the outcome where jughead is dead but they're just like spinning their wheels like no one knows what they're doing or why they're doing things they just say stuff like it matters but it's all there's no concrete ideas or things to go off of but they're also not like actively exploring things and going on adventures and trying yeah they're sort of sticking around normal characters do when faced with the apocalypse yeah these ones just keep having meetings in various people's homes well it might be time to get to those homes because i think we should just get into this this is gonna be a long one because this is riverdale season six episode 18 biblical I do miss when episode titles were references to, like, other films and media works that were just tenuously related to the episode subject matter. Yeah, this on-the-nose stuff, Not, I'm not here for it. Yeah, it's less fun. I also really like how this episode, they paid at least four actors yeah. who are supporting characters on the show to come in and not say any lines. Weatherby will make a will make a physical appearance. Brito will make a physical appearance. I wonder if this was in a in a shooting block with some of their other Yeah, maybe they were just all around, so they were stuff. like, cool, get on in here. Yeah. Uh so we begin with Hey, remember when Percival's like gonna be biblical? Yeah, he's doing he's doing the Egyptian plagues. Like Percival is nothing if not extremely literal. But 
and I need to point this out, he's kind of playing around with the Egyptian plagues. He's going he's, he's gonna to do some free jazz stuff about <laughs> how he's in the Egyptian plagues because he's going to start with frogs, yep. the second plague, flies, the third plague, yep. and lice, the fourth plague. And then later, he's going to do the first plague. Yep. Then he's going to do the fifth plague. And then he's going to skip over a bunch. And then he's going to do a, a random plague that wasn't a plague. Just like he did, he's like, he you know, what? Thing. I'm gonna throw in one of my own style. <laughs> so like, what throughout this episode, at least Betty's gonna try to be like, we need to figure out what he's gonna do next. You, you can't, you can't, because there's no. He's just doing things. But Kevin, this tracks with what we know of Percival. <laughs> Percival does things only to cause chaos. Yeah. I know he's supposed to be a criminal magical mastermind with a deep plan no he just does <laughs> no. nonsense no he has no plan this episode he just does stuff i mean to be fair no one has a plan this episode except for i guess tony who's uh hanging out with veronica so tony remember when she said that she had to get married for spite so she could look good for the court yeah. oh she's gonna come through with that spite ma- marriage yeah. But she's not going to plan it herself because she's a busy mom and gang leader and social worker. Yeah. So she's going to go to Veronica, who should also be busy. And also, like, this feels beneath her. And admittedly, she will also say later this is beneath her. Here's the thing. What she should have said to Veronica yeah. is... I would like to throw my wedding in your casino. Yes. Because then it would make sense for Ro- Veronica to do this because Veronica has not hired an event planner for the casino yeah, yet. That, uh, what we learned through, throughout this, I don't know if she's hired anybody for this. The plumbers are reporting directly to her. <laughs> this is, yeah, she is the only... Well, Kevin, wouldn't trust anyone after Reggie. <laughs> so, yeah, Tony's hiring Veronica as a wedding planner and... Man, Veronica feels... Okay, number one, she's insufferable this episode. Yes. Number two, she's so... Like, her purpose is so weirdly scattered. Yes. Like, like her like her role, like, like they, they pull her up to be like, oh, she's the one who's going to plan the parties, but also she's, like, in charge of the casino. Which, again, if she didn't have an event planner because their profit margins yeah. are so narrow and she needs to save money, then it makes sense. But instead, Tony's just like, hey... You're a can, miracle worker. Can you plan my wedding, I think, for free? <laughs> yeah, and she does say we settled on a date, but yeah. then later Veronica will work the phones to try to find a date for oh, their wedding. I was confused about this. I'm going to say, I'll do this now. I was confused about this well. She's trying to find a date to go to the wedding with. Oh, a date. It. I, I, also, <laughs> I also first wrote down the line, she's trying to find the date now. I'm like, oh, wait, no. No, the last scene was her being like, I don't want to go to the wedding alone. It's her trying to find a date. Well, Veronica, (laughs) you can do lots of things alone. We'll we'll talk about that when that happens. So everyone's getting invited to the wedding. Archie learns that he's going to be a groomsman because I guess Fang has no friends. friends. (laughs) And then he's like, I don't know if you wouldn't want to come though, Betty. Because remember you said you hated weddings. Now, I guess that's what last episode said, but... Betty says no, no. She will go to that wedding because the town needs something happy. Oh yeah, this will be constantly reiterated at every point in time. They're like, this wedding needs to happen. At one point, they're like, the wedding will bring the town together, and I'm like, they're not Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> no one cares. They're two gang leaders <laughs> in the same gang. Yeah, who are marrying each other. Also, like. We're, we're, we've circled back around to this is a very small town because two 
random people get him like the entire town doesn't even come to the wedding like no and it would be one thing if again romeo and juliet or a south sider and a north sider in season two not now now that's not gonna yeah, do anything the, the thing is that i don't know if there's any wedding between any uh, unless if archie gets married if archie like, gets married that will bring the town together because everyone loves archie it's true but like i don't know uh so that's his whole thing. We uh, we check in with Jughead, who is just writing the stories from Rivervale. Like he just wrote La Llorona. Yeah, and uh, this is good for him. Writing the things he hears are making the voices, voices get out of his head. But only when he's in the bunker. If he goes up above, he still hears everyone's voices. So this is... A Band-Aid. Oh, and Tabitha's visiting him now, and he seems to have be able to block out her Yeah, like, so he, he can handle one thoughts. person. But, like, this is weird, because Percival did some, like, mental door trickery stuff. Why is that... Why like, does Rivervale have anything to do with this why, at all? Why is that allowing him... Also, why does that mean if he writes it down, it, it calms the voices? Because... Unless if the idea, unless if the idea, unless if the idea is he's when he's sitting down in the bunker, he can only hear those voices. When he writes mm. them down, he makes them real, which removes them from the bunker. I mean, that does make sense, and Maybe? that explains why when he leaves, he still gets because he's actually not doing anything at all. He's just like fixing the bunker city. He created and then is fixing the bunker <laughs> situation. So, uh, n- nothing is happening. Yeah. Poor Tabitha. I, I mean, there will be no repercussions to this whatsoever, but Tabitha does suggest maybe he could come to the wedding. And he's like, nah, too many voices. So, and she's she's not bothered. Again, Tabitha is too pure and too good for this show. Yeah, I'm, I mean. She never causes drama. I mean, the problem is that this episode, she also doesn't do, like. Anything. She, she doesn't cause any drama. She also doesn't do anything. Despite having the ability to travel through time and knows the apocalypse is coming, she just sort of, like, agrees with what everybody else says and doesn't, like, push. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I guess... I feel like she should push more. Now, she can still time travel from Pops in El Royale, right? Oh, it is so unclear. It is so unclear. Apparently, it's still Pops, like, by the yeah. weird transitive property. Right, because the ghosts are still there. So, maybe, but 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 I don't know. Is there, is there the ghosts what gives her her power? Also, the old Pops building is still there because the railway isn't being built. And the white so. worm is still there. We see the white worm this episode. So, because what I'm thinking is, what they should be doing is coming up with ideas and then having her, like follow the idea through because they have time right now even if that's a thing off screen that'd be nice to see but like time is not a concern at this moment though it will be in the future well time is becoming a concern because percival goes back to the first plague (laughs) which if you remember i mean to be fair the first plague plague is a wild plague if you're just trying to be like subtle because that's turned the water to blood it's true now 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 i don't know what this is because he's doing this and then like Kevin like is runs lo- is like against a wall and like leans he's, against it. He's, like, <gasps> he's looking. No, he's looking through a hole in the wall. Yeah, he uh, there's like a hole outside the, the antique shop, and Kevin's looking through it, and he sees Percival put a he 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 puts a a straight razor in a cup of water, and he goes, "Oh my god, oh my god!" And then he like leaves. I'm like, what did that? What did you get out of that? Also, show. <laughs> I mean, I know we can't change this now, but let's not forget, Kevin wasn't doing bad things on his own free will. Oh. He was mind controlled. Oh, no, apparently he wasn't. 
That's what this is implying, is that he was not mind-controlled. Only Frank is mind-controlled? But Sheriff Keller was also mind-controlled at at least one point. I don't know. I don't know. How do they keep forgetting who's mind-controlled or not? <laughs> it feels like you should have a board set up somewhere with one with one section, like one side being like mind-controlled, another section being not mind-controlled, and, and you just put their names on either side. And maybe what you need to do is you need to decide specifically what Percival told each person during the mind-controlling, mm-hmm. So you know, like, the parameters of the mind controlling. Instead, they just don't. <laughs> they just don't. All right. So um, this might be the weirdest relationship I've ever seen. Have Veronica and Tabitha ever talked to each other before? I'm... They're best friends this episode. They sure are. Because Veronica's planning and Tabitha's there for Reasons. some reason to talk. I mean, if, if Tabitha, they were like, Tabitha, you're the caterer. Yeah. So that's why she's there. But it seems like Tabitha's just there because Veronica's her old friend who she met a year ago. Okay, here's the thing. The show is not good at female friendships. (laughs) No. And Betty is very good friends with Tabitha. So through the transient properties of B plus V. (laughs) You'll see. B plus T. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Now, Veronica, as they're talking about like... Just life. Veronica's like, what's what's going on? I'm stuck in Riverdale. With, with no nothing. social life, which is a cruel thing to say to your best friend. Well, <laughs> in this scene, her best friend. And like, no lover. Like, well, you have a casino and you have your friends and, and you've, you, been, you've been single for like two weeks. So settle down. And you really, Veronica, should be taking this opportunity to quietly work on yourself outside of the public eye. Oh no, no. See, see, she cannot be alone. And even though Red, even though they even had though a, Reggie said that, to even her. though they had had a character be like, "Hey, maybe you should work on being alone." She's like, "No, that can't be the answer." Well, Kevin, a bad guy, said it. Yeah. And then weirdly enough, Tabitha's like, "You know, this one thing I know about you: there's nothing that you you can't do." I'm like, Tabitha, or no, writers. Tabitha does, has, did not go to high school with her. She's known her for a year, and that entire time, Veronica's been Making not great. Making a casino. <laughs> yeah. Also, y'all, let's not forget, I think they forgot about Von- Veronica's poison breath, and I know she can control it. Yeah. But she should be struggling with that more. Nope, nope. Aaron, you, you, here's the thing about superpowers. You struggle with them once, and then you got them under control. That's what happened to Cheryl. That's what happened to... Uh, Tabitha by jumping through time. She only had one episode. Uh, this is what's happened. That's what happened to Betty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. They, oh, yeah. You, Betty won't wear any sunglasses in this nope, episode. Yeah. Yeah. You do the bare amount of minimum of work and then you're done. Unless Every, you're a jughead. You, everyone who has, I don't know, mental illnesses, just keep that in mind. Why don't you just work at it harder? Yeah, you need the equivalent of a TV show time in real life. Yeah. I don't know how long that but, is. A week? But then she hears there's a problem with the plumbing. And what it is is a problem with the plumbing all over town. Because there's just blood coming from all the taps. We will find out, though. Not blood. Just red water. It's... Alice's news report, which, to be fair, <laughs> I th- I she think might it... be mind-controlled. Well, I would also say it would be insane to say... Hey, the water turned to blood. You probably want to be like, the water turned blood-like. 
because water turns into a substance resembling blood. Yeah, because you can't just say it's because blood would imply there's like platelets and would imply that there's like DNA in it. And well, you could like scientists, they're like they're scientists. The scientists are baffled by it. Baffled. Baffled. I'm oh, tired of Alice. Here's the thing: there's things that happen in this episode that cannot happen in a small town. Like it just functionally cannot happen. Anyway. We can't we can't belabor this blood water because Kevin Keller's got something to say. Apparently, seeing Percival put a straight razor in a bowl was just the thing he needed to be like, hey, Ke- <laughs> me, Kevin, right here sitting, uh, I don't want the baby anymore. I thought the thing that broke Kevin and Percival was when Percival told Kevin that he wasn't the dad. Oh, for sure that was it as well. But there, were, but remember, there was that scene beforehand that also, we cannot forget that scene exists where Kevin saw the thing through the... I guess so. I just... He, I he, spent this entire episode being like, why would Percival tell him he's not the dad? And then I'd be like, Percival only wants chaos. Well, he does not make good choices. Oh, he makes terrible choices. The... Like, what did the, Percival think he was going to do? There's this thing that, like bugs me a lot about the way that this this storyline just sort of ends now like yeah it's over kevin just decided because how how to describe this um the the fact that kevin spent all this time like trying to you know get the baby Mm -hmm. um but gives up when the baby isn't like you're right genetically his that's why he gave it up it's not genetically his or emotionally his yeah like the thing is that that what this is is that this was a a quite bizarre and complex situation Mm -hmm. because it was him and fangs deciding we want to have a baby and tony being the surrogate for that and then things fell fell apart we did talk about the kevin did just straight up abandon a baby but they never even mentioned that in that season which is really weird um and then and then Tony became the baby's mother. And then ha- then being doing this thing where it's like, oh, and the baby actually genetically wasn't yours. I'm like, but was that really Kevin's thing? Was that he's like, but the baby's genetically mine. Not like he felt any ownership over ownership, ownership <laughs> over the baby because like him and Fangs did decide to have a baby together. It just it feels like it takes a very bizarre and complex situation and just paints it over with this very normative brush. Kevin, you're being super thoughtful, and those were some very good statements, but here's the thing. This writer of this episode (laughs) didn't know that Kevin Keller was trying to get the baby because he was mind-controlled and was trying to give it to Percival. Let's be real. When they came up with this plot, that was why he was doing it, and someone along the line forgot. Yeah, they're they're just like, no, no, it's because he did want to have the baby, (laughs) like because he saw... A bad thing happened. No, the 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 what happened to the, something happened to the baby, and he was like, "I should have that baby now." It was so long ago. Well, what happened was the um, the the ghoulies were ghoulies. The ghoulies were going to steal the baby. Oh, remember so that lady? Yes. Oh, she's she's alive somewhere. She's alive somewhere. Oh, she's going to show up in the season finale with an eye patch. How oh, threatening! Now <laughs> and, and size. Uh, so, uh, Percival takes a little bit of time to taunt Archie, and uh, which, carrying on Archie not being smart, he's very <laughs> confused by this. He's Why like, are you taunting me? He's, he's like, wait, f- flies attacked the city, and frogs got all over the place, and there was lice everywhere, and then the rivers ran red with blood? Hey, guys, Percival insinuated that he's, like, doing this. 
Archie, he can do magic. This is known. Well, I mean, here's what I'll say. They have kind of reverted a little bit to not thinking that Percival's a full-on magic man, (laughs) despite all the evidence. Because Tabitha's like, well, but he has the power of persuasion. Like, Tabitha, you fought him through time. You You know he can do magic. (laughs) He did that weird thing where he's like, I'm the devil. (laughs) Like, (laughs) he did weird stuff. Now, that being said... I thought I would actually love all of his stuff was persuasion based. Like everything was persuasion based, but he could do it at a really weirdly big level. Mm-hmm. Like I thought, like don't get me wrong, I he like was, convinced the frogs to come. I know, and I thought this was really silly. But if you do everything can persuasion based, I love the idea of him going to the river and just telling the water to turn to blood. And then, if everything is persuasion based, it makes sense why later things mm. happen the way they do. Because the 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 idea that he like. He is so persuasive that he can change reality. And then, yeah, then you have blood pour out of his nose and he's super weak. And like Frank or Reggie has to like help him back into his back into his place. It shows weakness, but it shows that he all like all of his stuff is thematic. He's not just a a vague sorcerer doing sorcerer stuff. But that's the problem with the show. Nothing is ever thought through. People just do what they think is cool. Because like they already made him powerful. The least they could do is make it thematic. Because then this this plays into this theme of control. He is someone who has the ability to, to just like look at water and tell water to turn into blood. Like that's cool. So Cheryl comes up with a solution that they all should have thought about at one point, which is... What if we just kill him? And Archie's like, no, if we kill a man, then the battle between good and evil is already lost. What do you think? Okay, I'm going to have to pull up that picture of the the paradox of intolerance. (laughs) It's like, look, if he is literally Satan, I think you're you're allowed to kill Satan. Also, you've all killed a man. Every single one of you, except for Tabitha, has killed a man. <laughs> and Archie, I know yours is technically, but... Well, Let's be real. Uh, no, his thing is like, oh, we'll bring ourselves down to his level or some nonsense. I don't know. He's actually super focused on this strike, union stuff. Yes. And he's like, well, he doesn't want to break up with guns. He wants to break up with fear. I'm like, so like how people do a union strike. Cool. Yeah. And even Tab, this is what I meant by Tabitha. is like... Yeah, we gotta make them feel more supported. And I'm like, the literal apocalypse is happening. Like the literal apocalypse. It doesn't matter if the strikers feel good. <laughs> apocalypse. And I, I am actually constantly shocked that this union stuff keeps coming up. Because it feels like once again, the writers just like were reading in the paper and saw there was a lot of like union talk going on at like Starbucks and Amazon, and we're like, oh, let's do that. Which means I'm super worried next year is going to have some abortion stuff. Oh, oh, Riverdale. There's a, you, you can't tackle the, unions right. <laughs> Don't try to pra- tackle it, women's reproductive rights. Like, why is why does Riverdale have ripped from the headlines? <laughs> like, it's, this isn't West Wing. <sighs> so uh, they talk Cheryl out of killing Percival, but let us not forget, just put a pin in this, because Cheryl has poor impulse control, and this is known. She yeah. also has two children living at her house, because oh, we did find out where Juniper and Dagwood yeah, are. Yeah, they're back with Cheryl, which I need to clarify is just, once again, makes it it, it makes it less confusing, but more confusing. Um, also, I don't understand why Alice can't, uh, no idea. No, we don't remember she was, they were taking from Alice, because Alice will turn well, them I into... I don't know why she wouldn't just go get them back, but I know that Cheryl will set her on fire. 
Well, <laughs> here's here's the honest thing. I don't think Alice actually cares that much. She's I think just she loves Betty. I think she loves being performative about it. Mm. I think she loves pretending that she cares. She just want to look after those kids. No, no. Remember when she remember she had a panic attack because she couldn't look after like a ten year old or something. <laughs> So anyway, while all of this is going on, Jughead is sleeping in the bunker and La Llorona comes to visit him and then steals his story about her. Yeah, I'm like, wait, so is she now in Riverdale? Like, what's... like? Uh, it's, I'll say this is mysterious, but it's mysterious on purpose and, like, it's not just because they're not telling us things. Yeah, no, they, they are doing a mystery. This is a mystery. What's going... Are, are, why are all these Rivervale things popping up in... The, the bunker, yeah. which means we have to think about Rivervale more. And why did this happen when Percival opened the door in Jughead's mind? Yeah. That doesn't make a ton of sense. Yeah, because he's like the door, but like, okay. Okay, anyway, meanwhile, um, Archie meets with the Union and... A, a really good point is brought up. Because here's the thing. We know this train line cannot be built. That's right. Like, they don't know that it has to be done by... Uh, Bailey's Comet. That's something that just... Just... Oh. Just, um... Does Kevin know it? Did Percival uh, tell Kevin? Maybe, but Kevin doesn't pass it along in this one. No, I'm, I'm just wondering if they could subsequently get this information from Kevin. Yeah, I'm... Or if it was Frank who knew it, in which case, who cares? I'm saying that in this very moment, they just know the train line cannot be built. That's all that they have. Yeah. But the thing about a strike is that usually you're doing that in order to get, like, negotiations. And in the scene, someone's like, hey... Percival's going to sit down for negotiations, and Ar- all Archie can do is, uh, no. I mean, <laughs> what Archie should honestly do is go and negotiate with Percival, because he has a tether, and Percival doesn't well, make good choices. So Percival will make insane but the promises is- that, like, I don't think Percival will negotiate in good faith, mm-hmm. and I don't think he will offer good things, because Percival is controlled by chaos and can't... He can never say the right but, thing, so but, they could just keep the negotiations going forever. Oh, that's the idea, is to just have the negotiations go on forever. Yeah. Cause the, but the problem is that I have... they're showing the guys that they're doing the something. The problem is that even that is a stalling tactic. And we and as we mentioned throughout this entire thing, they don't have a plan other than let's stall out and hope something happens. It's just a more reasonable stalling tactic than make the guys feel good about the strike. Well, yeah. But I, the, the thing that's going on back to is that we know the stakes. They can't... Like, they can never end in negotiations. They cannot do that. They cannot let this ghost train be built. Because <laughs> all they need is to stop the ghost train. So they're, but it's like, the question I always have is, what is Archie and, what are Archie and Tabitha doing other than just trying to make sure the workers don't work well, they just hope something happens. Yes. Yeah, so, well, I'm agreeing with you. I'm yeah. saying that both parts of this could be more active and more interesting. Yeah. Instead of continually having scenes where they're like, hey, guys, your rights matter. You have to stand up for what's right and well, what's good. They could have continued negotiations with Percival while trying to do research I, and go on adventures. I was thinking at this point, the best thing for Percival to do is just be like, all right, find the union workers. Is there some sort of law saying the ghost train can't be built by union <laughs> workers? Because he's like, yeah, you know what? You can join the union. Then what's Archie going to do? Be like, um, that's, no. That's the thing. <laughs> Why is he paying them unfair rates and not giving them benefits and putting them in dangerous working is, conditions? D- does he have to do that? Is that like part? Of, why doesn't he get workers 
Why does it get scabs from like New York or just another town? From Greendale or Sea City. Or... Why does it have to be these guys? And why do they have to work not in? And why do they have to be abused? Like because Kevin Percival always makes the wrong choices. <laughs> well, I think it's because he's just evil. Is because he's just he can evil. only do evil things. He can only he he can't he can't comprehend. Doing something good, even if it means achieving his goal. He has to do evil things. Which is actually, like, a very interesting fatal flaw for a villain. If it felt like they were doing it on purpose. Yeah, we need to write this story. Okay, so uh, Betty's trying to get some Bibles. Yep. Yep. And uh, Veronica has another scene with Tabitha where she decides to talk about how the Sword of Damocles is hanging over them. Yeah, and then... Okay, so she's talking about, like... I feel like as we're fighting off the literal apocalypse, like Tony and no, um, you and Jughead are fighting for Pops, and Betty and Archer are fighting for each other. Fangs and Tony are fighting for Baby Anthony. Who am I fighting for? I'm like Veronica, the literal apocalypse. Also, um, <laughs> Veronica, that shows some very clear misunderstanding of what's going on because Archie is not fighting for Betty. No, Archie is fighting for the good well, of like be, for the goodness of the town. Well, the thing is, all of them are like Fangs and Tony. I'm not quite sure how where they are, mm. but all of them are fighting. Because it's the literal apocalypse, Veronica. It's the end of the world. And they're like, we shouldn't let the world end. Then Veronica's saying they're being like, yeah, but why should I care? I I cannot believe that Veronica would, like, wear a mask or get vaccinated or do anything. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh no, she'd be a rich person going to rich people parties on a yacht and but, getting COVID, like, seven times. But what... But how does the apocalypse <laughs> affect... Me. Also, like, A, they always make Veronica insufferable. Yeah. But B, it is extremely clear to us, the viewer, what journey Veronica should be going on this season. (laughs) Which is the journey where Veronica learns to stand on her own two feet as an independent woman with no husband, no boyfriend, no dad. It's right there in front of you, show. Reach out and grab it. Well, you might be wondering, there's one person who has not learned about this wedding yet, and that is... Cheryl, who I think Tony rightfully left until later. <laughs> now, it does appear that Tony has really killed with Cheryl. Has uh, told Cheryl this information over the phone mm-hmm. or perhaps a carrier pigeon. Because we do not see the scene where she tells Cheryl. We just see Cheryl come in to talk to Heather and inform Heather that she's been asked to officiate the wedding. Really? Come, Tony, you couldn't think of one one other person than Cheryl. I refuse to believe you can be on good terms with her. I know you don't know that she uh, almost killed baby Anthony, but... Like, I just don't think you should maybe ever ask your very serious, slightly unhinged, poor impulse control ex to officiate your wedding. I can't believe Fangs was like, yeah, no, I'm cool with that. I mean, let's talk. We'll talk later about what Fangus's ex does during this wedding. <laughs> now, uh, so she's like, I'm going to give him the best wedding present I can. I'm going to kill Percival. <laughs> I'm going to do a half-assed job of it because I'm a terrible witch. And turns out, so is Heather. <laughs> <laughs> Heather is not good at teaching Cheryl how to be nope. a witch. All right. So we got another plague. And this one is is just a dip like it's not on the list he just went what he just went rogue like per- this is not a plague percival's just punking people yeah so he so when he does this plague curses he has to like gather up f- facsimiles of it mm. so for this one he just gets a whole bunch of food 
And then like he Looks like delicious. Then he puts a one rotten food with the food. And it makes the food at just the rehearsal dinner yes, bad. One specific food in one specific place. Because it doesn't seem like it rots all the food in town. He's doing this specifically to the rehearsal dinner. And I don't know why, because I d- he doesn't seem to care about the wedding. How could he possibly even know about the rehearsal dinner? Well, Aaron, you gotta send the save the date to everyone. It's rude not to invite everyone. Uh, Cheryl, I mean, Tony <laughs> probably also sent him a phone call or a carrier pigeon. I thought it was actually the wedding. It was actually the rehearsal. I also dinner. thought it was the wedding because the way that they react. Yeah. Oh my God. It's I I, I cannot get over it. Like this is what I mean by the stakes are so weird. We have set up that the literal end of the world is happening. So it's weird to have the scene where they're like, oh, no, my wedding's going to be ruined. And I'm like, I like, don't get me wrong. That sucks. I mean, your rehearsal dinner's yeah. going to be ruined. Your weird spite wedding that you planned in three days. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be. That's why she has. That's why they have to do it so fast is because they need to do it before the case, which is not happening anymore. So they're <sighs> now they're just doing it anyways. But see, but then make the stakes. We want to get married before the apocalypse. If we're all going to die, we want to die together. Yeah, sure. Then, it, then, but at least it ties in. But like, it's like they don't want to mention the apocalypse. Like you're right. This feels like a different team wrote it, and they don't like the apocalypse storyline. So they're just ignoring they're, it, and they're downplaying it by being like, like, uh, is this an apocalypse just for Riverdale? No, it's the world. It's the battle between <laughs> it's good apocalypse. and evil. Apocalypse. Now, uh, speaking of food, Jughead is running away, and then... He gets a magic <laughs> cheeseburger and fries. And, uh, and I guess he's, like, compulsed to eat it. Because he does think to himself, I shouldn't eat that. This. I shouldn't eat this burger. But then he does, and you know what? It's going to make him sick. Yep. He's going to get very sick, and a toilet's going to appear in the sex bunker, which I refuse to believe the sex bunker ever had a toilet. There has always been a toilet in the sex bunker, mm, Kevin. I disagree. People live there. No. <laughs> and they poop outside like the animals do. Well, what about Ryder Jughead in Rivervale? Where does he poop? Poop outside like the animals do. I thought he was never allowed to leave the bunker because people couldn't see two Jugheads. Aaron, since when has this show ever followed any of the rules? That's true. Alright, uh, so okay. we gotta check on Cheryl's and Heather's plan to kill Percival. So their plan is that Heather is going to help Cheryl basically project her powers yeah. using a poppet. They're using the Maleficarum, which is just the only magic book they have. Remember, they stole it from... He didn't doesn't seem doesn't particularly seem upset con- that nope. he doesn't have that book anymore. I don't think he's noticed. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it seems true. Anyway, they're going to try to burn him. And they do, do an- this. another one of those magical spells <laughs> where they rhyme the spell with his name. Yeah, they... they- they take the book and they look down like they're reading it out of the book, but the, the, the book mentions Percival Pickens by name and his name works into the rhyme scheme. So does it have like blanks where it's like, okay, come up with a word that rhymes with your uh, target's last name and then say it down here? Like what's... <laughs> um, and I will say... This is honestly, like, it's pretty well shot. It's pretty cool. Oh. It doesn't fit into the show at all. I should mention, this episode is has some really amazing shots. There's, yeah. a, there's a moment where, like, Jughead gets stabbed by a ghost. Don't worry about it. And, like, the camera does this cool, like, fall the knife and, like, flip through the, the bed. Yeah. Um, when, the, when uh, I think Percival goes to Cheryl's house, the camera comes in, like, upside down and, like, yeah. flips over. So there's a lot of cool shots. I will say, other than probably the knife one, they're not motivated. No, nope, they... <laughs> 
again, this is a different team working on this yeah, episode. Yeah, some someone was having. I'm going to say the B team was probably having fun. Anyway, so uh, Percival starts to smoke and he panics, and then he sees a wheelchair, and he has a breath of inspiration. Now, I'm going to go back around to, oh, sorry, he sits in the chair, and because he's, you know, a powerful sorcerer, like Cheryl knows, he just sort of stops it. Like, come on, just shoot the guy. And then it turns out that he wills this fire to another person in a wheelchair. Yeah, so, like, he saw the wheelchair, was like, oh, I know someone. He, he knew it was Cheryl, because he's, yeah. like, oh, the only other witch in town. Yeah. Um, oh, wheelchair. I know who's in a wheelchair. So he lights Nana Rose on fire. And Cheryl is... Too upset about this. <laughs> well, I mean, Nana Rose has tried to kill her so many times. Yeah, but we've we've apparently reached the point where she's like, "No, nah, I'm friends with Nana Rose." It's ridiculous, but that's how it is. This is where I'm also thinking, like, oh, because wouldn't it be cool of his persuasion powers? And he, he could persuaded just sh- the fire. He persuades the fire to burn someone else. Well, he tricks it. He's like, "Hey, fire, you were sent to burn someone in a wheelchair. That's not me. There's this other wheelchair." Yeah. Or for some reason, he has a photo of Nana Rose on the wall. Yeah. And he's just like, "Burn her." Like, it's cool. It would make it thematic. Just saying. Just saying. Go right, back. Do it again. Right now, he just seems overpowered. Uh, not even over like he could be still overpowered, overpowered in a dumb way he's vaguely powered is he the is problem vaguely powered all right so the the uh the rehearsal dinner has moved to pops royale which honestly makes a lot more sense than having it at the casino yeah because a rehearsal dinner is supposed to be a casual affair for everyone to hang out and have fun and have some drinks before the wedding it's not supposed to be fancy veronica no this treat this treats like oh the rehearsal dinner is even more important than the wedding well and then veronica gets up to do a toast which like you're the wedding planner (laughs) and the toast itself yeah before we get to the songs we have you know alluded there's a song yeah um the toast is garbage oh yeah it's about veronica she goes oh it's so sad this was supposed to be at the babylonian but when you have a bride as elegant and classy as anatomy elegant and classy really those those are the words you want to choose to describe those are the only words you're allowed to use at a wedding anyway it doesn't matter what the venue is you can have in a dumb restaurant that's in a boxing gym yeah oh my god and okay she starts singing after this, she and just starts singing about being single. And she sings um, the famous song from Company, Ladies Who Lunch, which is a middle-aged woman who is rejoicing about her single life and how she doesn't want to be, you know, a typical married because there's quite yeah. a few marrieds. Company is about Bobby's friends. You know, yeah. Now, it's... It, it's it, it's mean. It's it's a terrible song to sing <laughs> to sing at a rehearsal dinner. It will be followed up by the second worst song to sing at a wedding but many are confused by this rightfully so and here's i'm going to sum up this this musical number it feels like a dream sequence but it's not yeah it's real it feels like it should snap back at some point and she was just standing at the podium imagining she was singing but it's very diegetic to the episode yeah she actually sings it apparently Apparently, when she was at Bernard, she played Elaine Stritch's role in Company. I forgot she went to Bernard. So, she has a degree in economics? Yeah. I, like, I, guess, I, I guess I should say, not that you, you, obviously you can go to like a liberal arts college and still be a trader on Wall Street. But she is the energy of someone with a business degree, not someone who went to a liberal arts college. Abs- well, and, you know, not for nothing show, but um, 
typically they don't cast non-drama majors in the main roles in main stage it's, musicals it's like, at uh, major universities like Columbia, because Bernard is part of Columbia. It's like the writers of the, of the show don't know college experiences outside of their own, and I they probably were in drama. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone can be in drama. I'm like, well, n- she. It's I just forgot she went to Bernard, and it, like it's kind of weird. So she is. Um, she's mean. To Tony in the song, she mocks her for playing wife to her face. Yeah. Um, She will sit on Britta's lap and drink out of a bottle of scotch. Now, admittedly, Britta loves this entire thing. (laughs) The the actress for Britta, her entire vibe this entire episode is I'm having the time of my life. Yeah, because she's a 17-year-old who's invited to all these adult things. And it's like, whoa, adults are dumb. She gets to go to the white worm. (laughs) (laughs) She's having the time. Um, yeah, Veronica will sit on Fangs' lap and, like, wiggle on him at some point, and Fang makes these faces the entire time, like, pull this again. I don't know what's happening. Like, people look upset by it. And then when it's done, Veronica's just drinking at the, the bar, and Betty comes over, like, hey, are you okay? I'm like, come on, she she 100% ruined the this rehearsal dinner. Yeah, she ruined it. She went really, really weird. She got real weird. Someone needs to stop her. And she makes everything about herself, but she really made this one about herself. Yeah, it's... Yeah, maybe you shouldn't have asked her to plan your wedding. I will say... But who could have known she'd be so unhinged? (laughs) She has no reason to be unhinged. She has no reason to be like this. Oh, what a shock that Veronica Lodge has made something about herself. She sings at investor meetings. (laughs) Now, when they ask about the wedding thing, uh, Betty's like, who's you go with anyone? Veronica's like, I'm going stag. Okay, okay, I need to... This next sequence is very strange. Betty's like, do you want to come with me and Archie? And they're talking about, like, oh, remember when we went together to the same bag of software? I'm like... But then Veronica goes, no. I'm like, wait, are you just going to not talk? Aren't you sitting... Did you just seat yourself with them at the wedding? Are you, do you think you're not allowed to talk to them? Because you're not... You didn't go... What do you mean... No, I'm not going to go with you. You don't have to have sex with them at the end of the night. And, like, <laughs> wedding dates really don't matter that much. Uh, we've been to lots of weddings. You just party with your friends. What, yeah, what, what, it's weird her being like, no, I can't go with you. Just, what What? What do, have any of these people been to a wedding? Like, the last wedding we went to, I don't know that anyone I, had dates. I know that they're writing, like, for teenagers, but, like, this is a weird idea to put out for teenagers where it's like, if you don't have someone to go to a wedding with, you can't go with your friends. That would be third wheeling, even though you're going to sit with them and talk with them throughout. Like, I don't think the last, like, four or five weddings I've been to, people have even been offered plus ones. Yeah, yeah. Like. You, just like, you're invited, you're invited. Maybe you go with someone, like, you're asked, like, hey, we're sitting with together. Yeah. But they know that. Anyway. Apparently, somehow, this has made Veronica figure out why she cares about the apocalypse, which is she's fighting for my friends, so. What? Cool. Where? Oh. <laughs> Where did that revelation happen? When you were making fun of all of them and wrecking their rehearsal dinner? Yeah. Aaron, they didn't get mad at her for for ruining everything. Oh, my God. You accept me for me. Uh, Now, uh, Archie just, like, pops up and says, we got the craziest sex from Cheryl. And this is how I know that this show is not tongue-in-cheek. Because you cannot skip over the image of Archie standing in the corner, I think with (laughs) Tabitha, and getting, like, a ding and getting a text that says, OMG, my grandma's on fire. Fire emoji, fire emoji, (laughs) frowny face. And him just going, 
we have to go. (laughs) (laughs) What is that text message? (laughs) It's so funny that she does it in a text too, and that she texts Archie. (laughs) Yeah, there's not her sweet, sexy cousin Betty. So, or her weird why is it also why did she go to the rehearsal dinner because her well she had a spot but her grandmother was on fire (laughs) but no but they got the text now she should have been there before she did her spell (laughs) so uh, nana rose is alive it fire doesn't kill people by the way yeah it is implied that she will be fine because heather is rubbing a healing salve on her I mean, hey, what about that hospital that, like, fix up Penelope so all she has to do is wear a glove? Just bring, bring her to the hospital. I think what we're learning is blossoms can't be killed by fire, even <laughs> blossoms by marriage. <laughs> bring her to the hospital, please. Please bring this old woman to the hospital. She will not be allowed to go to the hospital. She'll be left alone in this house. Yeah, no no, no care. No one looking after her. Nope. Nope. Now, clearly, I, we know Cheryl hates her, but... <laughs> But where are Juniper and Dagwood? Why are they not watching over their great grandmother? So they they figure out they confirm now his powers. Oh, it is plagues. His powers persist beyond mind control and psychological attacks. He exists throughout time, but yeah, he also ruined the rehearsal dinner. It, uh, Betty will share a little bit about what she's learned about plagues. Yeah, she's just like oh. Corruption. Corruption is one of the plagues. And I'm like, how dare you? No, it isn't. We know if you're going to do the plagues of Egypt. Do them. You do them. Look, the closest I'm like, the closest is pestilence of livestock, I guess. But then later she'll mention that that, that, that plague hasn't happened yet. And I'm like, God <sighs> damn you. So, um, yeah, the Archie's like, well... Uh- he's been bamboozled well the thing is like he's quite reasonable here he's like these plagues i guess are going to affect the whole town yep it's not right for us to like hurt the town hurt this town by doing the strike so we're gonna okay we'll end the strike and we'll just and they'll just build the railway slowly yeah they'll just suck at building the railroad which is fair because they're not railway workers they're construction (laughs) workers yeah this will give us time to find a permanent solution. I'm like, yes, please, any solution. Just just do something. And then they're like, well, you know, we got to gather some intel. Boy, it's too bad we couldn't have an inside person with Percival. Guys, mind control. Yeah, he. it doesn't matter if you have an inside person. He mind controls his people. But apparently, Veronica is like, hey, you know what? With Kevin dropping the custody back. And, and also, moving out of the Babylonium, maybe he's not on Team Percival anymore. And I'm thinking, that's a guess. <laughs> that's a wild guess, because that could be a trick. And Or he could be just be, they're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't be at the Babylonium anymore, because that's enemy territory. Now you live in the attic of my <laughs> antique shop, yep. because mind control. Mind control. Apocalypse mind control. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jughead's getting sick because he ate the magic food. <laughs> yeah, so that's so what he's that's going happening. on. Now, Kevin and Betty have a talk, and like Kevin feels dumb for joining a cult again. Okay, so he's like, I thought it was making the town better, and he was offering to help me, but he just told me what I wanted to hear. Also, he kissed me once. We're not gonna talk about that. It's not a thing that happened, I guess. I don't know. Then Betty, instead of being like, yeah, you know. He mind controls you. She's like, you're not the only one. I'm like, mind control. Like, 
so was it not mind control? Like, I know it wasn't all mind control, but, like... Some of it has to have been. Like, the thing is, like, if it's not, then it's it's actually less interesting. I know you can be like, but then oh, coercive he, control. he did all the stuff himself. I'm like, yeah, like, I guess that could be interesting. But, like, a lot of stuff was like, against his character. Well, and it's not interesting because the show's not going to follow up on the fallout from it. No. So, who cares? Like, Just make it mind control. Yeah, because I'm like, it, well, it could be like, you know... Kevin learns he was mind controlled and so but he but he's also like but I know some of it was me so I want to make things right instead he's just sort of like yeah okay yeah no I'll I'll go in and I'll get his yeah his book you should yeah, know so, you know he's a magic man <laughs> so I guess we're now concerned about that book that he was writing their names in early in the season I mean I I've been thinking about that the whole time but I'm just like doesn't I guess I, yeah, he has a notebook. I it's guess it secrets is. Secrets in it. I guess it will be good to get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's what Kevin's going to do. So while Jughead sleeps his fitful sleep of eating magic food, yeah. I guess the Rivervale Cheryl, the one who sacrificed Archie, or just a demon who's wearing Cheryl's face, I don't know. Yeah. A Cheryl-looking thing comes in to stab him. Yeah. So she does a stab, just cool thing, mo- the movement, and the knife is there, but the story's gone. Ooh. Now, uh, Archie heads over to let the boys know that he's going to negotiate the terms, he's going to go back to work, but the guys, the guys are like, hey, no, what you said really motivated us. We want to fight. And I'm like, okay. Archie, you need to let them know about the apocalypse or the biblical plagues. Because what they're thinking is, yeah, we're going to stand up to like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. We're going to get some good employers in our town. They don't know the stakes, Archie. <laughs> and I'm sorry, the magic's not subtle anymore. Just reveal the magic. Everyone you tell believes you immediately well, anyway. Well, yeah, because he, so Archie's like, yeah, you know what? You guys are standing up. That's fine. Like what they think is going to happen is like maybe some union busters are going to come down. They're going to maybe they'll get into some scraps. No, Percival covers them in boils. And they look awful. These are very bad boils. <laughs> also, he does it by taking some, like, figures and dropping them in boiling water. Yeah. And I'm like, is that a pun? Did Percival do pun magic? <laughs> per- oh. Percival, he's very clever. Okay. And chaotic. All right. Uh, um, so speaking of Percival, Kevin goes to go Snoopy Snoop around to get that book. <laughs> oh, I wish it was snooping. He practically like kicks down the door, starts throwing open <laughs> Kevin, he, he is a cop, not a detective. That's true. That's true. That's how he, <laughs> he goes in there, shoots a dog, <laughs> puts some stuff out. <laughs> Percival catches it, but he's like, uh, I'm sad. <laughs> I'm just sad, man. Percival, I'm a sad, sad man. And Percival's like, you are sad. Let's go. <laughs> so, you know what? Good job, Kevin. Um, And then the weirdest. I mean, there are a lot oh, of Oh, man, I wish you could say it's the weirdest. I wish I could say that we're close to the end, but there's going to get worse. The weirdest thing so far in this episode yeah. happens. So, Betty's, she, well, she got all her texts. She got all the texts that Lynn got for all the religious stuff, and she's reading through, and she stumbles across... The harlot of Babylon. I th- So we talked about this before because mm-hmm. that's the whore of Babylon. Mm-hmm. That's the name. At no point has it ever been called the harlot of Babylon. It- I mean, I did Google it, harlot of Babylon, and it was 
commonly known as the Whore of Babylon. Well, no, no, well, that's that's Babylon the Great, commonly known as the Whore of Babylon. No, if you Google the Harlot of Babylon, it does direct to the Whore of Babylon. I, well, I imagine because they're like, those are synonyms. Um, we're talking about this, and we think it's because they don't want to be consistently calling Betty a whore. Because from this, so Betty will see the thing about the Harlot of, the Whore of Babylon, and then she will flash back to the episode of Rivervale that was about the devil. And I completely forgot that was where this was from. At least I'm like 90% sure that's where it's from. Well, she she doesn't seem to know what this vision is of. She sees TBK, but he's doing weird but biblical quotes, including the one about the arrival of Babylon the Great. And how she is Babylon the Great and he wants to blah, blah, blah. I... This is a fun fact I like I like bring up whenever people do anything with like the horror Babylon Babylon the Great is that textually it is a metaphor for a city like it is a yeah, representation yeah. of a city it's not a person <laughs> so like it would be cool maybe if they're like oh no Riverdale is the harlot of Babylon because the text always said it was a city Ooh. but no no no, no Betty has with this weird flash Betty has decided. I'm Babylon? Here's the thing. It's a flash of Betty remembering TBK saying it. And though, you know, she doesn't know where it's from, it's not a memory, whatever, it's still a thing that she's envisioning TBK to say to her. Which feels like something you ignore. Yeah. <laughs> it's because TBK. all he does is say nonsense at her. But she takes it so aggressively to heart. Oh, by the way, this is just the start of the weird biblical stuff because we cut to Archie doing some real hardcore Jesus imagery as yeah. he's... so. I, I'm, oh, I'm, I forgot to write the scene down, yeah. At this point, I'm like, oh, so Archie's going to die? Because him walking with, like, the railway, the, the tie. railway ties and, like, his hands up over them, I'm like, this is some hard core Jesus imagery. So the Holy reason crap. that Archie is a shirtless Jesus carrying a railway tie is after the boils, yeah. he contacted Percival and he was like, fine, the strike's over. Don't hurt my guys. And he's like, I'll keep hurting them. But you work alone because then the railroad will be built quicker with one man who's never built a railroad. He's built a railway even less than those guys have. <laughs> yeah, but like... You, you work alone, and if you do it quick enough, then I'll reduce the boils on him. I quite literally do not think it is possible for one man, no matter how strong he is, to lay a railway tie by himself. Someone needs to hold things down, and someone needs to hammer things. It's at least a two-man job. Nah, nah, like, man. Repair crews are not single-man crews, <laughs> and they're just repairing. But but have you considered that he's su- that he's super Riverdale Jesus? <laughs> I mean, he is super Riverdale Jesus. So, so um, anyway, while he builds the railway, a dramatic eclipse happens. Yeah. It, it, hey, this is on the plague. Three days of darkness. Um, so I guess we're skipping right over thunderstorms, uh, a thunderstorm, a hail of fire, and locusts. So just okay, whatever. Going right to that. Now, <sighs> I, I. So they say in this next scene. Okay, so now we got a surprise eclipse over Riverdale. I'm like, you can't do that. Did Percival make a moon? Did he just create a moon? Because that's what an... What is... What... This would bring in national attention. Yeah. Like, like the, the bloody water is something that people be like, oh, that's a weird fact that I heard their water term. That's been the rust in the system. The, a new moon exists. <laughs> or did he just move the other moon? Because that's going to mess up a lot that, of things. That's worse. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is that is actually worse. But these are things that no one questioned in the Bible. I guess because in the Bible they did make a new moon. Well, because in and the, there was no internet. Because in the Bible, also that was so long ago, and probably were metaphors. Um, oh, I want to bring this up because about this this um plague thing. The plagues come up a lot, and we see them a lot in media. Uh-huh. But I feel like it's always forgotten that. In the Bible, the plagues were the tools of God against the, the pharaohs. Guys. The pharaohs, so they would free the Israelites from slavery. Like the plagues aren't the devil doing stuff to hurt people. It was God's, and like yeah, you can. Yeah, really... he, he's he's an Old Testament God, so he's vengeful. Yeah, but it's weird that like we're not debating the no sort of the fact that Percival's like using the power of God. Well, that's the thing. In the ultimate battle of good versus evil, where we've already met an angel, yeah. and we've already met Lou Cipher, yeah. you would think that God would be like, excuse me, get your <laughs> hey. dirty evil hands off my good plagues. Maybe that's why he can't do them in order. He's like, hey, free use. <laughs> Maybe that's why he had to make I, one up. I had, a re- I had a remix. You couldn't just do it. You have to do like a remix or like a re done. Technically a parody. It was used of- for purposes of parody and commentary. <laughs> well, yeah, because he's using them to put people back into bondage Ooh. rather than letting them release people from bondage. He's explaining to like <laughs> the, the copyright courts of heaven. Maybe that's why it took him a while too. Like he, that's why he wasn't there when Kevin was trying to uh, uh, yeah. rifle through the house. He wasn't picking up a, uh, a package. He was uh, talking to copyright. So um, <laughs> Percival made a moon. Uh, now Kevin explains to Betty. He's like, like, well, and also Percival's preparing for war. He's got a bunch of ancient weapons uh, like a like a budge. He's like he's got like trip not trebuchets. He's got like swords and he's got yeah. spears, and he's got a stockade for the harlot of Babylon. And Betty's like, "Hey, I'm the harlot of Babylon. <laughs> That's me." I'm just gonna say if you're gonna if you don't want to keep on calling Betty a whore, just say <laughs> Babylon the Great. Like, just, that's the actual, the whore Babylon's never used in the Bible at all. Always referred to as Babylon the Great, a mother of prostitutes. Yeah. But, like, so apparently he wants to put the harlot on display from the walls come tumbling down. And then Betty getting this information from her source, from her informant, that only her informant knows, immediately goes to Percival and is like, hey, I heard you're trying to put the harlot in the stocks. And Percival's like, Kevin turned on me. Man. So so you so you finally got someone on the inside to and like you blow up his position immediately. Yeah, and you immediately put his life at risk. Cool. Here's, here's the thing. Kevin, I don't think they were going to make Kevin go undercover. I think they just wanted him to do one thing for them. But he didn't even do it. <laughs> he did not get that book. It's, Aaron, she th- this this would be fine if she was like Archie or something. She's an FBI agent. She's supposed to deal with informants. Yeah. Like, like this is why you can't just promote someone who just did one good thing once. She doesn't know how to be an FBI yeah, agent. Let us not forget, she is not an FBI agent. She was a trainee like... <laughs> Three weeks ago. And then she skipped straight up to... Leading su- her own team. <laughs> yeah, super age, secret agent or whatever. Anyway. Anyway, so she was a Percival and was like, hey, I'm the whore of Babylon because I had a flash or a dream or whatever. So you want to put me in the stocks? And, and he's stuff. like, eh, there's actually something else I want. <laughs> I also like that he's like honestly shocked that she thinks <laughs> she's like, oh, uh, yes, I do <laughs> want to put you, but not just you. I also... I want the baby. 
Is you know, gonna, the, is, is the baby the whore of Babylon? Is he going to put the baby in the stocks? Well, Aaron, it's the only baby in Riverdale, as far as we know. That's true. <laughs> the only baby that exists in Riverdale. So you hand them in before I, there's more plagues that are going to happen. And so they have a big team meeting, and Heather's mm. like, wait, did <laughs> you say the whore of no, Babylon stockade? No, no, she says stockade. And this is where I want to bring up, because... They talk about stockade. They keep talking about stockades. This apparently cues something in Heather's mind to be like, did you say stockade? Bring me the Maleficarum. And just pulls up a picture of a pillory. Not like a special pillory. Just a pillory. At which point I realized, oh, okay. So stockade, I guess, is a term sometimes used for pillory. Stockade is much more, stockade is just walls. Yeah. Like it's just a jail cell. I'm like, did you think there was stocks? Like, there's stocks, which is short for stockade, and there's, like, for lags. Yeah. But this is a pillory. And so just for those of you who didn't watch the episode, it's, like, the thing you see in old-timey villages where your people, head like, your hands put their through. head in their hands, and usually it's because you were, like, drunk in public. So, like, it, it's a small thing, but it bugs the hell out of me where I'm like, that's a pillory. Stop well, calling it a stockade. No, that's a Kevin, pillory. It's the stockade of Ligaris. Oh, Aaron, you won't get this. I'm like... Is, are you referencing Bloodborne? There's a character in Bloodborne called Martyr Ligarius, spelled the same way. And I he's a just martyr. made up a word. Well, I could, like, Googled Ligarius to be like, is that also from the Bible? It's not. It's only <laughs> from this video game. I so, mean, this is the B team writing this episode, so, so they put their jokes in. So um, in this next scene, uh, I think I think Cheryl just lies. <laughs> yeah, she, she reads the book and she says it will render prisoners powerless. It's nearly inescapable, nearly inescapable. Mm-hmm. I guess there's her wiggle room, and it renders the prisoners powerless. Like perhaps Percival? Can we pop Percival into it? Well, maybe, but how could we trick him? Well, let's do something that Veronica learned from her dad—an old-fashioned raid. Yeah, he he raided her a lot. Uh, he did raid her. Yeah. I was thinking about, like, the raid that happened in that drug episode no. called The Raid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nope, a good old-fashioned raid. So, I'm like, okay, so you're you're just going to rush him. <laughs> That's your plan. Your plan is rush him. And then you're going to smash all of his rum with a baseball bat. <laughs> the, pla- the, plan, the plan to get Percival is, is get him. <laughs> oh, and Archie won't be a part of this because he's still building the railway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got to keep up the... The thing, so, hey, how are we going to get that close? Well, fortunately, Cheryl has a plan. It's clearly going to be invisibility. Um, yep. So they can all do magic now? I guess ma- I guess witchcraft is just a thing you can learn to do. Yeah, if you're taught by a master witch like Heather. Yeah, it just, it's, because they also have powers. They kind of, like, teach each other how to use their powers. So it's, once again, going to the whole power system thing. Anyway, Jughead is shouting into the darkness. And the darkness sends him back a message in a bottle. Did you notice this is the most confusing cut ever? He's facing the darkness. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the bottle rolls at him and he's facing away from it. Like there's definitely... The, Something got some, missed. Some continuity got cut there. But uh, he gets a message in a bottle and it says, keep writing. So Jughead's storyline just keeps <laughs> plodding along. Great. All right. Uh, Percival is chilling with a locust. So I guess he's going back to locusts. Look, maybe he's afraid of the rain, so he can't do... <laughs> Thunderstorms of hail and fire? Yeah. Do you think maybe also that's probably pretty expensive to animate? Do you think he also did fire already by accident? He's like, oh, shoot, missed my plague. <laughs> I used it on Nana Rose. 
but he didn't do that on purpose. No, but he used up that that plague oh, slot. Oh, drat! <laughs> I did my thunderstorm of hail and lightning, except hail and fire, except for it was just fire. Oh shoot! All right. Well, Betty brings a very obviously fake baby, yep. but she also clearly leaves the door open. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like so, so clearly leaves the door open that you think Percival, a master sorcerer, would be like. That's weird. Huh, she's like magic people in. You didn't shut the door behind you. Kevin, it's hard to close doors with babies in your arms. Yeah, so you know that invisible people can enter. Uh, so they're there. Tabitha has a taser. Veronica just has a gun. Uh, of course. So yeah. And Kevin arrests Percival. <laughs> I feel like this is a cool thing he wanted to say. And they let him say it. <laughs> also, Cheryl has that blowing knockout powder, which I refuse to believe would it also knock out Kevin. Oh, I forgot about the blowing knockout yeah, powder. Yeah, from season four, remember? Yes. Why? I feel like she could have used magic. I feel like she could have done up and done some, like, finger stuff. And then... She could have whispered a spell that somehow included his name. I just feel like, because she blows it at him, and Kevin's got him in, like, a headlock with his... <laughs> And he just turns his head away. I'm like, no, no, I refuse to do that. Uh, now, this because of this, the sun returns and Archie can stop his working. Yeah, I presume he kept working until someone went and told him that they had I presume Percival. as well. <laughs> I presume as well. So they put Percival in the vault at the Babylonium. So he's dealt with, right? There's only there's 10 minutes left in this episode. Yeah. yeah. Here's the thing, though. This is Riverdale, and I was very afraid they're going to spend the next 11 minutes on the wedding. Almost. Uh, now, Kevin gets a quick thank you for not being trash, I guess, and an invite to the wedding. And this this is where we're starting to think about the whole, like, it's it felt really weird, like, felt really brushed up to be like, and now they get to have their baby, and they're both genetically the parents, so it's all right. Uh, and they also get to have their friend back, which, again, which is why... If they remembered he was mind control and they had broken Percival's hold over him. This wouldn't feel weird to feel like a celebration. He's coming back from mind control. Hey, thank you. Yeah, you're yours. And you know what? You are like, like I understand your situation, but you are still kind of the baby's dad because the whole decision we made. It's not like it's it's just because they mix up their semen so that they wouldn't know and like I feel like the entire point is that it's not supposed to matter and they shouldn't need to know but this really does seem to confirm no actually it does matter because if it was with Kevin's kid oh this would not be all wrapped up and like really they should have shared custody because Kevin if we're gonna go like purely logistically he paid for half of that child it yeah it just it feels like a cop-out it's totally a cop-out he'll ask if he can invite moose to the wedding and that sent me down a deep spiral of moose is is, is moose still mind controlled i don't know Moose did stand behind percival that one time i don't know if he ever was aaron i I don't know if anyone ever was maybe maybe none of this happens do you think they just brought moose along to that meeting and he was like i don't know why i'm here Uh, after he was like i didn't like that also moose (laughs) Now, uh, Cheryl officiates, and I guess she wears her red serpent jacket, because... Sure. Yeah, I am actually upset that Fangs and Tony aren't wearing the serpent jacket. They're just wearing classic... Wedding clothes. And so, like... Because if you were going to do this, if being a serpent is the most important thing about them, which we have been repeatedly told this season it is, yeah. even though the show will never define what being a serpent means... Absolutely not. Um... Then it should be a serpent wedding, shouldn't it? Yeah, and when it comes down to it, like, the thing is, 
I don't care about this wedding. Nope, they say their vows. It, if, and if the vows feel made up and artificial because I don't know anything about them as a couple. It feels like they want this to be like a, look, they're getting married. It, but it doesn't feel like accumulation of anything. It's unearned. It's weird that Sherry, like, Cheryl officiates this as like a pagan minister for he- for um, Hecate, which like in a very Judeo-Christian service. And it's, it's just so, boring. It's a boring wedding. It's boring. The way they treat it, they treat it with the gravitas that like... If Jughead and Betty got back together and they got married. Yeah. Or even if, I mean, that would probably be more. This feels about the level of, like, Fangs and Kevin. If they had stuck together and got yeah. married. Like, this is about what you'd expect. You'd be like, yeah, you know, love. Love was what brought us together. I don't know how we made it to this point, but somehow we did. I'm like, I don't know how you made it to this point either. Because because you didn't show me anything, show. Yeah, you, you are a couple we were told to care about only because your baby's a Jesus. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. I never, I feel like I never see chemistry between them on screen. Oh, yeah. And I feel like the show only ever really shows them fighting and then going, it's us against the world, baby. Serpents. <laughs> or being frazzled about their child. Yeah. Like, like, there was, I don't think there was like a big phony, like, shipping no. community. Like in season four or three. Like, anyway, um... So, Percival, being in the pillory, uh, apparently still has powers. He summons the locusts. Kevin? Yeah? Do you think this is maybe just a pillory and he just, like... Do you think eBay scammed him? <laughs> I have... So, I had two options here. One, Cheryl just lied. She just, like, <laughs> made up. Like, also, it's nearly inescapable. Inescapable. And it renders the prisoners powerless. Like, are you just reading the definition of a pillory? Because, like, most pillories are supposed to be inescapable mm-hmm. and render you powerless mm-hmm. because most people don't have superpowers. Mm-hmm. So, once again, the picture's just a pill. Like, <laughs> there's nothing about it being the, the what's it, it's the stockade like it's of Lugarius. Uh, or it's a fake. <laughs> I, he also, I don't think they know what Wormwood is because the locusts come and then he's, like, trying to make some quick work of this Wormwood. And I'm like... Do y'all not know what Wormwood is? Because Wormwood is not wood. It's... It's a part of absinthe. We've it, been through it's an this. Herb. It's an herb. It's an herb. It's not a wood. So it's weird that he says that. But what's weirder? I'll tell you what's weirder. This wedding reception is opened by the wedding band that Veronica hired, I Kevin. guess. Kevin. Kevin and Moose Kevin. Moose is the keyboardist. Also Moose, yes. And he will sing. Kevin didn't know he was going to be at the wedding. I should want to point that out. He did not know he was going to be at this wedding until like... <laughs> but you know what he had in his back pocket? The opening number from the Broadway musical, The Wedding, the wedding Singer. Singer. I... I love this song, but this is... Okay, here's the thing. Singing The Wedding Singer at a wedding is not only cheesy... It's it's weird because this opening song with the wedding singer and the entire musical, the wedding singer, is not about the couple. It's, it's about, about the, the wedding, wedding singer. This song he's singing is about how cool of a wedding singer he is. This this is this is just Veronica being like, <laughs> but when you sing, it's about you, right? But I think the show thinks it's about the wedding being great. I think I I think this show was just like, hey. Wedding, we should do a song from the wedding singer. And then they're like, most of these are very offensive. <laughs> um, at one point, there's a part where he sings 
where the character sings about the different members of his band. Yeah. And instead of dealing with that, the show just cuts away to Percival talking to some locusts. Mm-hmm. The, the locusts have eaten through the stockade, and then Percival just leaves. Yep. I, I almost thought, like, maybe this was part of his plan. Because, like, he was talking to the locusts, so the locusts were, like, ready to chew him out of the pillory. Yeah. But he doesn't need to, like, get into the Babylonium or something. That's he, the thing. I thought he maybe leaves... he wanted something from the vault. No, he leaves the Babylonium and the vault and just goes to Cheryl's house, which he could have... So, like, he didn't intend to get captured, but he did have a backup plan in case he was captured and put in the pillory, but Look, Kevin, he had already engaged the locust spell from his spell slot, and he had to see that spell through to completion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, start, he started the he started doing the casting. He had to finish it. So he just goes to Cheryl's, and Nana Rose, who has been left alone despite being set on fire the other day. He turns off the oxygen in her room. Yep. So obviously the healing self didn't do that much. No. And then just like suffocates her. Well, he... So, going off this whole riffing with the uh, the plagues, it's no longer the firstborn son. This is 2027. Remember. This yes, is 20... this is 2027. This is 2027. You gotta, you gotta have equal representation. Instead, it's firstborn child, which yep. is why he has to kill Nana Rose, the oldest person, the oldest living firstborn in town. In town. So at that point, my mind it started oh, spinning. Oh, it was about and to I happen. Was like, oh, everyone. So at this point, what I'm thinking, based on the knowledge we have from the show, yes, is that everyone's dead except for Veronica. Yep. Betty. Yep. Jughead. Yep. And well, yes, because. Well, yeah, Charles. no, I know, I know. I, I was, I'm going let's go through this and I'll bring oh, up. And then the other person who I thought might not be dead is Cheryl. They've never clarified who the older sibling is, but it's pretty obvious yeah. that. I was going to bring up the logistics. So we'll do it. We'll, I mean, at this point, you know what happens. Everyone's asking the white worm. Um, we get this quick scene where Veronica's once again has to make it about her. So she's like, hey, Tabitha, who's endgame in the future? I want Tabitha to just be like, Veronica, the apocalypse happens. We're all dead. I mean, what I. <laughs> I probably would have said that first, and Veronica would have been like, but was I with Archie? And then I would have been like, Veronica. Who cares? There, I saw thousands of different futures. In one of them, Archie was married to a goat. <laughs> there is mean? no end game. I would, oh my God, I would love it that one. was like, no, none of them matter. <laughs> There's no end game. Shut up. It's a wedding. Stop it's not making, about you. Stop making, stop making the apocalypse about yourself. And why is she suddenly back into Archie again? Oh, because because she broke up with Reggie. She only All she can do is flip between these two guys, which actually is very comic booky. so good I'm for you. I'm also very worried about Reggie. Right. He's not in this episode, yeah. and I'm worried about him. Uh, so, does that, and then the first thing that happens is that Archie collapses, because, you know, he's Jesus, so he's going to die. But all the firstborn children are dying. Um, and I thought, oh, this is BS. Cheryl was born a, like a couple seconds after Jason, I guess. I mean, it, Jason, let, mm, Kevin, technicalities. let us not forget, they're not twins. I know. They're different ages. I know. I know. <laughs> she said the next day, she's like, Jason was older. Like, that should be like, she's coming out of with a lie. <laughs> like, we were never twins. They're like, oh, yeah, we know. We you, know. You guys you're are in just, different grades. You're just weird and incestual. So, um, Jughead wakes up also at this point and, like, sees himself, and then he... Has stomach pains. He, well, chest pains. He dies. They're all, they're all going to be having heart attacks, is, like, the well, idea. Yes, I also thought it was a heart attack at first, but he really kept 
grasp in his stomach. So I mean, someone he, gave him some bad I mean, he's direction. like leaning against the wall. It's hard to tell. Okay. Okay. So now people are dead. Now who survived? I'm going to go right off the front. Baby Anthony was accepted. I would just like, like, oh, yeah, because Percival doesn't want to kill the baby. So he, yeah. like. Yeah, so he, he put a caveat in his spell. But there, someone just says, oh, no, he's special. That's why Percival wants him. Maybe Percival also knew he wouldn't die, which seems nonsense because he was dying from that curse that they put on to That's be like. That's right. So what do that you... was Cheryl's purse. Maybe Percival is his true father and he can't die from his father's curse. I don't know. Okay. I mean, this is logical than anything else we've seen. But right. who's alive, Aaron? Who's alive? Uh, Tabitha. Who's, dead? who's alive and who's dead? Which is fine. Yeah. We don't know anything about Tabitha's family. Yeah. Veronica's alive. As we know, Hermosa's older. Yep. Betty has two older siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is also Jughead's brother. So, uh, do, you want me, do you want me to do my thing? No, go through the rest okay. of the people I want to do my um, thing. Heather is alive, which is fine. Who cares? Yeah. We already talked about Cheryl. Yeah. And then for reasons of convenience... Both Moose and Kevin are alive. Moose, I'll say, we don't know enough with yet. Maybe that's why the house didn't get sold when his dad went to jail and Moose got shipped off to the uh, army. Was that a question we were asking? I had a question about it. I was, oh. couldn't understand why their house just sat there untouched for seven years. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing with Moose. So Moose must have a sibling, I guess. Sure. Um, uh, Kevin, how can... <laughs> I, I, what I said after this is like all those Wikipedia editors have to rush online and give both Tabitha and Kevin an unnamed older sibling. Yep. Because that's what that means. Um, I want to point out that after they do this thing where like... They're like, oh, they killed all the firstborns. They have to go around explaining why they're still alive. What that means, except for Kevin, who's just like, I'm holding a baby. Me. All right, my thing now, Aaron. So logically, we have to think about this yes. firstborn sibling for firstborn child. Yeah, that actually has a whole bunch of wiggle room to it because mm-hmm. we have to think: does this go patch, patchul line or matrial line? Well, it. Uh, goes both it because does. Hermosa is a half sister with the same father. Right. Veronica, if it's if it's if it's pat- patrial, then Veronica should die. But if it's matrial, Jughead should be alive. Yep. So it's neither because they did not think about this. Yep. Because they forgot that Charles is also Jughead's dad. Unless if may- maybe he's not dying because of that. Maybe he just had maybe he just he's ate dying a burger. He, maybe he's dying because he saw himself. <laughs> and maybe because he just ate a burger. Maybe that's like a quick, like, hey, one-off, like, trick. It, it's totally a trick. But, like, we all, maybe. We all know that Charles is... Is a shared brother. Unless if they forgot, which would be hilarious. Because Tabitha goes like, oh my god, Jughead, and runs off. And Betty doesn't go, no, 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 wait, Charles is... Uh, Charles is also Jughead's Charles brother. Charles takes the fall for both of us. It's a, it's a long story. Don't worry about it. Oh yeah, I guess Charles is dead now. No, Charles is dead. Uh, here, here's what I'm going to say. I have to imagine, because of everything else, this is localized to Riverdale. I don't think Hermos is dead. Nope. I don't think anybody who's not in... Maybe Reggie's on a vacation. Um, <laughs> I don't think... Anybody who's not in Riverdale is dead because every other plague has been very Riverdale localized. And, and also not that powerful. Well, and also the Egyptian plagues didn't affect the whole world. It just killed the, the yeah. people in Egypt. Well, and when Percival was doing his thing to yeah. Nana Rose, he did say, you're my harbinger of my last plague to Riverdale. Exactly. So Hermosa's fine, but it, it obviously, it's not like, well, Hermosa's not here, so Veronica should be, but... I was thinking that where I'm like, okay, I think it is matrial because that makes the most because because if it's if it's patrial, then Veronica should be dead because right. Hermosa is not is Hermosa is Hermosa is Hiram's daughter. No, wait, if it's matri- it has to be patrial. 
it has to be patriarchal. Firstborn along the along the father's line, which is honestly really weird <laughs> when you think about it. They're like, oh no, it's the it's the dad's kids who who get. But no, but then no, but then, Char- the, but then Ch- Betty Betty and Jughead are alive no matter what because <laughs> Betty has an older sister, Polly. Yes. Who has the same father as her. Yes. And Jughead is alive because... He doesn't have an older father. Like, cause, no, because oh, no. his dad is the his, father of his Charles. His dad is the father of Charles. <laughs> yes. So so if it's matriarchal, then he would be dead because his mom doesn't have an older child. But then Veronica would be dead because her mom doesn't have an older child. <laughs> the, what we're coming down to is that it doesn't work <laughs> if and Jughead is dead. If Jughead is dead because of this. A lot of things doesn't work. I think even if he's alive, there's still some weirdness because they do all these half-sibling I mean, the show, the show is tricking us, and it's a cheap trick. He's in pain, mm. grabbing his chest slash, slash stomach because of something else. Yeah. And the show is making us think it's a part of the plague. However, Betty's a dick for not saying, Tabitha, he's fine. <laughs> Charles is also his brother. Or, or, and I love this, and I know maybe they are smart enough to figure out. They forgot. I would love if they forgot that Charles was. <laughs> this specific writing team, I don't they know. may have forgotten. Their, their aggressiveness of constantly calling it a stockade when it's clearly a pillory. <laughs> Like, just makes me like, just do a little bit of research. Just try. You can call it the pillory of Ligarius. And I know people might come at me being like, well, technically you can call it a stockade. Technically a stockade's a wall. Anyway, uh, Heather thinks she might know someone who can help them. I guess who can resurrect just so many dead people. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure she's like the queen of the underworld now. This, this the is queen of witches or hell. Or I don't, I don't know. This is a something. wild play for Percival to make because doesn't he need these people to build his road? <laughs> he killed a lot of people. Yeah, there's a lot of single child I think, households. I think in. Fangs is dead. Fangs is dead. Yeah, but you know who is still alive? Frank, because Luke Perry Andrews was the older <laughs> brother. The older brother. <laughs> Good for him. Is Keller dead? Like, like Daddy Keller is dead. That's the thing because, like at this point, we have confirmed a lot of. We're going to be confirming a lot of uh, relationships here. Hey, Wikipedia editors, get on there. Start getting prepared to write an unnamed older sibling. Yeah, please figure out for us who Kevin's sibling is. <laughs> it's no one. <laughs> How has that? He's ostensibly a major character on the show with oh, a dad is. who appears. Uh, well, here's the thing, Aaron. If it's matriarchal. Maybe his mom had a kid earlier before they got married. I mean, everyone did wait until they were 35 to have their kids. It is known. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> All right. So Heather thinks she knows him who can help. It's, uh, well, it's the one you think it is. It's Sabrina. Sabrina. So, and man, boy, do they really set that up like the, like they, they, they expect the audience is going to cheer. Like we're going to lose our like minds. Going, oh my God. They're bringing in Sabrina. And I was being like, oh yeah. <sighs> of course no. you are. I guess, I guess because Rivervale counts. Yeah, you're bringing yep. it. But like, did she always exist? Because if she always existed, it means magic always existed. Unless I, she was just normal, just uh, a normal girl living in Greendale. I hate this show. Dating a boy named Harvey. Yes, but that was 2021, 20, 2020. 2020. Who knows what she's doing now? In 2027. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All 
Hi, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. So this episode, you find yourself a CW moment. Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment when Logic used up all of its plague slot spell slots? Okay. I did, and it is um, something that brought me utter joy, but made no sense whatsoever. And it's the fact that Britta is at that wedding after party at the White Worm. Yeah. And she is so excited to dance with her girlfriend to the opening number from The Wedding Singer. She does not know what the song is. She sings along with it, though, and she has a choreographed dance she does with her girlfriend. She does. This... <laughs> God, that, that... What a weird choice. They just heard wedding and went... Wed- oh, well, The Wedding Singer. Look, Kevin, here's the thing. Maybe Britta... Also went to the drama camp that I used to teach at because I did used to teach small children choreography to that number. Yeah. And this choreography looked vaguely what I, like what I came up with. Okay. So a, uh, a lot of moving side to side and yeah. spinning. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, maybe she does know the song because of me. Yeah. Kevin, did you find a CW moment? Oh, it's a hundred percent when Heather hears the word stockade and goes like this and just holds up a picture of just a, just a like you take it from Wikipedia like hey. Are you curious what a, a stockade or a pillory is? It's this. It's like, is it this? And Kevin goes, yes. I'm like, it looks. It's, like, it's just a drawing. They all, they all look they like all that. They all look like that. Like, at least give it a carving on it or something. <laughs> but she just, it's it's like, so, so it would be like, yeah, he was also talking about a, about a knife. Like, a knife? Like, a knife like this? And it's just like a kitchen knife? It's like, yes, that one. Like, that is the entire vibe it puts out. There's... <laughs> They could have, they already knew it was for, like, the harlot of Babylon. Like, they could have. Draw a horse on it or something. Well, they could have said up stockade for the harlot of Babylon, but they just say stockade, and she gets cued on the word stockade. Yeah. Which is not the word. It's a pillory. I'll stop now, but I'll never stop. (laughs) So, um, audience, explain to us why you think Jughead's dead. We're over at Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA, at Instagram, at Twitter, and at gmail.com. And give us your ratings, reviews, and subscriptions. We're over at Apple Podcast or your podcaster of choice. We need them everywhere. Five stars only. Thank you. Yeah. I remember it'll be uh, two weeks till the next episode of Riverdale. So That is correct. So we'll be taking a week off because we have nothing to do. Yep. Yep. So we'll be doing that until they come back regularly or whatever they're doing now. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? So many characters are dead. Do you think they'll come back? I yes. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Maybe all of them but one. The... <laughs> And that one is... It would have been Kevin normally. I would say it would have been Archie because he's got to come back in a different way because he's Jesus. He is Jesus. My books are available on my website, kevinweirbooks.com. You can check them out. And, and I'm over at aflimsyplan.com. And we'll see you next week. Is everyone dead? Is Jughead alive? Who's firstborn? Answers all this and more on the next episode of Mystery Osiris and Abs. A teen drama fan cast? I don't think I do. Thank you.